0: Welcome back to 21 Steps, an audiobook podcast by M.A. Box. Chapter 10 Derek got into the driver's seat of their station wagon and looked back at the police station. He wondered if the detective would know that he had lied to him just now. He also wondered why they were still so concerned with how Leslie had died. Even the autopsy showed that it was an accidental drowning and that there were no signs of foul play. Why couldn't they just let it go and let him try to get on with his life with his children. He knew that the more the detective looked into things, the more questionable Derek's reputation would become to the public and to the detective. Derek pulled out of the parking lot, thinking about all of the things that had happened in his life that had led him to this point right now. Derek specifically thought of the night less than a year ago, shortly after Tyler had been born. He and Leslie had put the children to bed for the night and had gone to bed themselves. He had been having really bad dreams all week, and the sleeping pills he had been given weren't working. They had called the VA to schedule an appointment to try something new, but the appointment was more than a couple of weeks out. Each night, they were just trying to make it through the night. As they got into their bed, Derek quickly fell asleep as the sleeping pills always worked well in the beginning. He fell into a deep sleep, and at first, he didn't remember dreaming. Something happened, though, and Derek could feel the pressure mounting in anticipation. His heart started racing in his chest, "'Sweat was running down his face "'and he could feel the heavy uniform upon his body. "'There was extra pressure on his right shoulder "'where his gun was hanging on his shoulder. "'The strap from the helmet under his chin was itching, "'but he was too nervous to let go of his gun to fix it. "'They were walking down the middle of a sand-covered road. "'The sand was flying up into his eyes "'and sticking to the sweat that dripped into his eyebrows. "'They were walking into the middle of town. "'The homes were small and white "'with cloth covering the windows and peeling stucco. "'He could see a small boy to his left, probably only eight years old, holding his sister, who was smaller than he was, and covering her eyes so she wouldn't see the soldiers coming into town. His dark eyes were intense with fear as he watched the soldiers walk by. Derek couldn't help but think of Patrick, and be thankful that his son didn't have to see the same kind of fear and violence. As they entered the town, he could only hear silence. Even though the boots of other soldiers made noise as they cut into the sound, and the homes were busy with people trying to get out of sight of the new visitors. Derek was trained to focus and watch only for the enemy. Out of nowhere, a loud crack broke the silence, and Derek ducked to the left. A bullet whizzed by so closely that Derek could hear the sound of it as it passed by him. A cry came from behind him as Derek ran to a nearby car to duck behind it for protection. Private Johnson was next to him behind the car, yelling out for the fallen soldier behind them. Johnson, focus, Derek said, and turned him back toward the sound of the gunfire. Private Johnson was a bunkmate to Derek and a great friend. He lived in Florida and had a wife and three children. He and Derek had talked about getting together for a day at the beach as soon as they left Iraq. He was a good soldier and a good father. No sooner had Derek turned him back for cover. A bullet went through the glass window of the car they were hiding behind and struck Johnson in the right side of his neck. The sound of glass shattering made even the gunfire seem like a distant sound. Private Johnson's face twisted in pain and he yelled out as he fell back against Derek. Derek laid him down on the ground and put his hand over the wound on his neck. A dark red blood came through his fingers to run in streams down Derek's arm, making the sleeve of his sand-colored uniform turn red. "'Stay with me, Johnson,' Derek yelled desperately above the noise. Something touched his shoulder and Derek reacted as the soldier he had been trained to be. He turned quickly and immediately grabbed the neck of the person behind him and held tight, looking into the deep brown eyes of the teenage boy he had seen earlier, holding his sister, now holding a grenade. The boy's eyes were lifeless without hope and without feeling. He was dressed in a white shirt with a large neck that showed the tan color of his skin. He had unworn pants and a pair of slippers. He was drenched in sweat. Derek wanted so much to tell him to run away. There is another choice but at the same time he knew he couldn't change the world for that boy, so he wanted to somehow save the lives of those around him. At that moment, while he was thinking those thoughts and making that decision, he woke up and looked instead into the eyes of his wife, Leslie, who was crying and trying to yell, Please stop! Please wake up! It's me, Derek! Her eyes were filled with fear as she grabbed at his hand, trying to pull it away. Derek let go and began to cry as he turned from his wife and sat on the edge of the bed. His shoulders moved up and down with the deep breaths that he was taking. He felt anger, frustration, and embarrassment all at the same time. Leslie wrapped her arms around him, but he immediately pushed them away, crying and sobbing, saying that he was so sorry. He walked down the steps and out the front door to cool down and think. He sat down on the front steps and looked at the homes across the street. Derek hated that his life was this way and that Leslie had to live with it. He had asked for help over and over again and never received it. The VA was so overcrowded that Derek was just another number on the list, but to Leslie he was somebody, somebody who loved her, but woke up in the middle of the night sometimes trying to kill her. It scared him, and he couldn't help but feel that somehow this was entirely his fault. He should be able to let it go. He should be able to move on and move forward, but he couldn't, not without help, and he knew he would never get help from the only place he could go. The VA was too crowded and not willing to do what it needed to do to save Derek and help him to live. Although Derek played it off with the detective that he had gone for help and it was not a big deal, there was so much fear and frustration tied to those visits, he knew he could never really share. Nobody who wasn't in his shoes could ever understand. The first time Derek had gone to the VA for help, he had been filled with so much hope. He had made an appointment, and although it had been a few weeks out, he thought that there must be a reason— It must be because they were so busy and would take the necessary time to be able to make sure each patient was taken care of. He remembered walking up the busy front steps of the large stone building and feeling so small, yet somehow feeling relief already that he was going to get the help that he needed. He entered into a crowded waiting room. The room was poorly lit, and the air was thick with the smell of people. He checked in at the front desk and showed his identification to the grumpy receptionist taking his paperwork. He sat down to wait in an old metal chair that looked like it was way past its intended use period, and waited. He waited for nearly an hour, watching others in the waiting room and trying to figure out what they were there for that day. When his name was finally called, a lump jumped into the back of his throat as nervousness and excitement took over. He walked down the dark halls to a small doctor's office room. It looked very much like a civilian doctor's office room, but it had an extreme feeling of sadness. Derek had never been to a doctor for psychological reasons, at least not since he was a young boy. He could barely remember those visits. He must have blocked them out, but he thought it was strange that he was in a regular doctor's room with an examination table and everything. A nurse came into the room shortly after Derek had arrived. She asked him what he was being seen for, and he told her that he was having trouble sleeping and was having really bad dreams. She proceeded to take his blood pressure, temperature, and pulse— and mark it on her paper on a binder that she was holding. She moved through rather quickly and wasn't too friendly to Derek either. Derek was so thankful to be there that he really tried to be positive. He assumed she must be having a long day because she probably had so many patients to visit. She left the room after completing her tasks and the waiting began again. Derek waited for over 30 minutes before the doctor came into the room. The doctor was older, with gray hair above his ears and deep wrinkles by his eyes, and on his forehead. He looked tired, like he had been through a lot of long days recently. He shook Derek's hand and sat down on the round stool across from Derek. The doctor asked Derek a lot of questions about his time in the service, when he had gotten home, and what his dreams were like that kept him from sleeping. He took notes all while talking to Derek and seemed to listen intently. Derek told him about the dreams and waking up acting out. But he chose to leave out the parts where he used his wife as an extra in the reenactment of his past. After he had finished asking all the questions that he had, he looked at Derek and told him that he was going to have to see a specially trained psychological doctor and that he was just a medical doctor. He told Derek to go get some Unisom or something over the counter to see if that would help in the meantime, but that he would refer Derek over to the psychologist for the next available appointment. When Derek found out from the front receptionist that it would be another few weeks, he felt so frustrated that he had just wasted all of his time and hope on the wrong thoughts. He left the appointment that day, hoping he would be able to pull it together enough for the next couple of weeks to be able to make it through. Three weeks later, Derek went through the same waiting routine as he sat and stared, anticipating his appointment with the new psychologically specific doctor. This time he was taken back to a small room with a couch instead of an examination table. He sat down across from a middle-aged man with soft hands who asked questions and nodded while taking notes of everything that Derek said. Derek couldn't remember exactly what he looked like. He does remember being very frustrated at the situation, though, and wanting to take it out on the psychologist. The psychologist encouraged Derek that the situation he was going through was common for people who had returned from Iraq or any war situation and that it was nothing to be ashamed of. He told Derek that he would be able to talk and listen to him, but he thought that Derek would need more assistance through the use of prescription medications, so he would have to refer him to another psychologist that could prescribe medication. Derek didn't know all of the terms, but he knew this meant he would be waiting again in order to get the help that he needed. One month later, when he finally had the appointment with a psychological doctor that could prescribe medication, Derek was already feeling like there was no hope. He didn't think this was going to be enough to be able to help him protect his family from himself, and that scared him. He came anyway, still holding on a sliver of hope. He met with a psychiatrist and after only 30 minutes of meeting with him, he was given a prescription for him to sleep at nights and minor anti-anxiety medication and sent on his way. He was told if that didn't work to contact them and they could make an appointment to try something stronger. It didn't work and Derek had tried and tried again to get help and to have them actually give him a medication that could help him make it through each day. With the wait time in between appointments and the poor selection of prescription medication they were willing to prescribe, Derek wasn't able to get better. He continued to have bad dreams and not to sleep. Derek thought of this as he pulled out of the police department parking lot. He wondered how he would be able to get the help he needed to be a good father to his children. He still hadn't gotten the help that he needed, and that terrified him. He felt like a failure, and he felt ashamed. He drove the rest of the way to the hotel, feeling anger inside of his chest. He didn't want to be this person and knew he had to work very hard to be the father that his children needed him to be. He took a deep breath, knowing that he had done everything that he could do, at least for the day. He pulled up into the hotel parking lot, sat for a few minutes in his car to cool down, and then walked into the lobby. The lobby was filled with purple-flowered carpet and strange lighting. He could see the swimming pool just past the front desk and could see his mother sitting on the edge near Tyler, who was floating in a green alligator. Derek prepared himself to appear happy and walked into the pool room. "'Hey, guys,' he said." Get in, Daddy, get in, Patrick said, followed by the copycat, Tyler. I don't have my suit, boys, Derek said, but then thought to himself that these were the moments in life he really needed to make special with his children. So he walked to the edge of the pool, let out a loud yell to make the kids laugh, pulled his keys and wallet out of his pockets, and took a giant leap into the pool. He entered the water, tennis shoes first, followed by his nice pair of jeans and a black t-shirt. The cool of the water made him take in an extra breath and he started to laugh as he re-emerged. The children loved it and couldn't believe how much fun their dad was. He played in the pool with them for a few more minutes, taking in all the time he could. He smiled for the first time in a long time, and he noticed they were smiling too. Maybe he could figure out a way to make this work. Maybe he could figure out a way to raise these boys without their mother and have them grow into good men. At this moment he saw a glimmer of hope that the future just might turn out okay. That night, he took the two boys home to bed. Tyler was asleep in his car seat, so Derek carefully took him out and walked him up the stairs to lay him in his bed. Patrick was still awake and asked if they could watch a movie. Derek told him that they could for just a few minutes, but then he would have to go to bed. Patrick ran into the house to get a movie picked out and ready to go. After laying Tyler in his bed, Derek walked downstairs to sit and watch a movie with his other son. They both fell asleep on the couch that night after a long and eventful day. Derek started dreaming again. He was back in Iraq, walking next to Private Johnson. They were quietly moving through the town like a scene out of a stealth war film or a video game. They walked in the back door of a house where a mother was sitting at the table with her young daughter. They were standing there in their robes. The mother's white robe was covering her head, but a long sliver of black hair fell and ran next to her face. The daughter was the same image as her mother and they both looked toward the open door. Fear flashed through both their eyes as they saw the soldiers enter the room. Derek placed his finger to his lip to tell them to keep quiet, hoping they would understand what he meant. The mother grabbed her daughter and ran to the corner of the room where she wrapped her arms around her and ducked down. A gunshot broke the focus of the soldiers as the noise blared and the bullet came through the stucco wall and into the house. Private Johnson flipped the kitchen table onto its side and he and Derek crouched behind it. Private Johnson had great instincts, and Derek was so thankful to be fighting next to him. The child began crying in the background, and Derek turned to tell her to be quiet. Blood was running down her face, and her mother was leaned up against the wall. The mother's chest was crimson with blood, and her face had turned pale. Derek knew what that meant, so he tried to stay crouched down, and he turned and ran to the women. He grabbed the young girl, pulled her away from her mother. He pulled her with him behind the table and put his hand over her mouth, telling her to be quiet. Her long, black hair was wet with blood, and she had tears running down her face. The feel of tears against his hand slowly stopped. She was quiet now, but you could see in her eyes she was crying out and scared. Derek woke up, realizing he was holding his son and covering his mouth. Patrick was looking at him in fear and beginning to cry. Derek moved him to the side, and thinking on his feet, he quickly made up a game where they were going to pretend that aliens were coming to get them and that they would have to be very quiet and hide. He grabbed the blanket from the couch and tied it around Patrick's neck. We are superheroes now, and we need to save the world, Derek said. They moved for the next 30 minutes quietly around the living room, pretending to shoot and request backup. They ducked behind the couch, and Patrick hid underneath the red blanket on the sofa. They talked into pretend walkie-talkies and used hand signals to tell each other where they should go. They killed all the pretend aliens and saved the world before Derek told Patrick it was time for him to go to bed. Patrick tried to fight, wanting to stay up and play, but Derek told him that he could play again tomorrow. They both needed their rest so they would be able to fight even better than they did tonight. He finally convinced Patrick to put on his pajamas and get into bed. After finally putting Patrick to sleep, Derek went upstairs to the bedroom and sat on the edge of his bed, his feet dangling off the side and moving back and forth across the old carpet. He had been lucky, again. He had to be more careful." The next morning, Derek called the VA again for another appointment. He really needed to get some help so he could make sure that his kids would always be safe. He knew he needed another type of anti-anxiety, and he also knew that he needed a sleeping pill, something that would be really strong to keep him asleep and in bed all night long. He wished they had made something to keep the dreams from coming, but if he could just get something that would keep his body in bed for now, that may be enough. He hoped that it would be enough for his kids' sake, The appointment would be scheduled three weeks out. If he could just keep it together for a few more weeks, maybe this time the doctor would see that he really needed help and give it to him. Tune in next time as we continue 21 Steps.